Welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Jason McDonald. My goal is to get to the truth through conversation. The Mega Blast Podcast is produced by Arts and Opinion, an online journal housed at the Archives of Canada. Visit us at artsandopinion.com. I hope you enjoy today's guest. Okay, welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm here with my friend John Wolfrey. Welcome, John. Hi, thank you. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, my friend John has been on the podcast before. Anyone listening can go find our original talk, which was all about being Uber drivers. He's now a limo driver and so on. So that's something people can go look up. But John wanted to interview me about my experiences traveling and living in other countries, which I did for a, a time, the living. So um, I thought it sounded like a good idea. I'm always up for some experimentation. So uh, I guess I'll turn it over to you. You, right. you had some things you wanted to ask. Go Thank ahead. you, Jason. Well, um, you've told me bits and pieces about your travels and there have been so many different countries and it's always sounded so interesting so I'd like to have you put it together for me and ask and a sequence of events because you were in Korea was it Hungary no it was Slovakia Slovakia Before, yeah. I mean what an odd choice for a country <laughs> it seems to me and were you in a German-speaking country Slovakia is a small country in Central Europe that, where the language is Slovak, which yes. is a Slavic language. Right. Um, there is a Hungarian population okay. there that's something interesting. But I thought you had some exposure to Germany. I did because my uncle oh, lives in so, Germany and he has children and family. So I've spent Christmases in Germany okay. as well. So that probably where that came from. Oh, there we go. And, and I then, first and I first went to Germany when I was about twelve oh, to visit okay. him. So I have that's the first time I went to Europe. And so. learned things like Beta and Danke. Yeah. I learned how I remember my cousins teaching me how to count in Is German. That, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, when I was like twelve and we were on, you know, a long road trip to France and something. Nothing to do, right? You know, there's no phones in those days. So Ein, zwei, drei, vier, four, you know, going through them and stuff. So. And, then, and then you ended up, uh, you said, just farting around the Caribbean, I think. Or yeah, that was later. It was interesting. Like, I, yeah, yeah. My, my traveling, I mean, the first, that was my first international trip when I was 12, um, was to Germany yeah. and France with my uncle and my cousins. And then I went to Australia when I was 17 and hitchhiked. Oh, right. Yeah, There's which, another place. Yeah. Yeah. I which forgot. I, it has a boring I, language thing. Yeah. <laughs> which I may have mentioned to you, but that was my first like time I was out. I'd, I'd like to mention to your studio audience here that Jason, one of the things I admire about him is he's trilingual, French, English, and Spanish. And that's not bad for a boy from, uh, what do you call that? Toronto. Place? Scarberia. Yeah. I was born in Scarborough. Yeah. Scarberia. Yeah. That's I, what I, I, I got out of <laughs> when I was about uh, six months yeah. old or so something. You, so you speak fluent French and you speak fluent <laughs> Spanish, and I think that's wonderful. And you, you sort of mumble through in English, right? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't mumble know how my through. students can understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah. yeah, I appreciate so, that. That's very kind. Actually, I really do appreciate that because that's something I'm actually very proud of. You should be. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. You know? You're trilingual as well. You just well, don't sort use, of. I just don't yeah. use it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't yeah. you, you German is your third. German right? is, but. Uh, that's right. I can remember all the uh, that's vocabulary comes into my head like crazy, but putting it all together, it takes 
practice. So, I, I, just a quick point on that. The difference would be you probably don't use your German as frequently as I, I do, right? Yeah. As you right. do your Spanish. Yeah. 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 No, and also Spanish is, is close to French, so it's kind of easy. and all More that. present in Montreal, too. But For yeah. sure. Yeah. And so yeah. so uh, let me ask you. Go let ahead. Me start yeah. off. Um, how old and where did you go? Skip to live? As a, as a, no, as a young adult when you started okay. your travels. What the, was the first Australia place? Australia. why? Australia when I was 17. Who, where, what, where, and why? Yeah, start with Australia when I was 17. First, like, big trip on my own. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather's story. 17 is pretty young. Yeah, yeah. For a boy from Scarberia. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Somewhere from somewhere else, maybe they it wouldn't maybe be you so. want to run away or something. Yeah. Well, I guess some people want to run away from Scarberry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't actually. I never actually lived there. I don't know if you know that. No, no, no. I was born there. Oh, okay. Where yeah. did you grow up? Toronto. Yeah. Where in Toronto? East End. Okay. Yeah, but when I was eighteen, I came here. Oh, okay. Not okay. long well, after I like trip. Scarby. Yes. Scarby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wanted but anyway, I, I took that trip. There's a the story behind that because my mother, my mother. Um, was born in the UK, as mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and her, her, what happened was when she was a little tiny kid, like three, four years old, my grandfather just took off and no one mm -hmm. knew where he went and he was gone. He disappeared. Mm -hmm. And then my, later on, my mom with my grandparents came to live in Montreal. She grew up in Montreal and then eventually she left. And so at some point, my mom went out and tried to find her father. Mm -hmm. finding going finding the lawyers who did the, mm -hmm. uh, the divorce in the uk and all this kind of stuff so she found him this was in the 80s yeah and he was in australia at that oh. point, right so and he had gone there and uh you know he met some other woman and you know it was mm -hmm. a sad mm -hmm. story like that so so she found him and she would write letters back and forth and i remember when i was very young. I remember her doing a phone call with him. It was this big deal. Because by this point, she was a full-grown adult, and she had never known her father, mm -hmm. right? None of us had ever seen him or spoken to him. He was like this, you know. So at one point, I dropped out of school, and I remember I was gonna. I wanted to save up money and go traveling. I was going to go to British Columbia or something. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my father, and my father said, hey, you know, uh, you could go see your grandfather. If you do, I'll buy you the ticket. Huh. Oh, so well, he, 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 he obviously he obviously wanted to get to me for me to know my grandfather. Cool. Yeah, that, this was your dad. Yeah, this, you know my father. Yeah, yeah. And he'd, yeah. Ne he'd never met. He no one had. He just was like, hey, you know, uh, well, there's your grandfather in Australia. You could go there. Well, where you where know. did your mother? Let's see. Where did your his wife? My your grandfather. Gran, your your yeah your grandmother give right. birth to your mother in, in the UK. UK. And then the, and then my oh okay yeah right. I'm a whole generation yeah. behind here Get yeah confused. and yeah okay. so it's, it is a little bit complicated so my mother was born in the UK my yeah. grandmother was born in the UK my grandmother yeah. was with my grandfather right and then and then my grandfather took off and went to Australia and then my grandmother met another man and they came uh, to Montreal together okay, that's why I'm okay. Jewish because that man was Jewish was Jewish yeah. okay. my step grandfather now your father knows him. Uh, he did until he passed away right. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah he's no longer knows yeah. Um, okay, so that was so that sets so you up. Went to, yeah, you I went to Australia. Flight, free trip Australia. Well, the, the flight. I, I worked free. and saved up money for all the other stuff. Yeah, because yeah, it's not that cheap going to travel around. around. It's about yeah. the same cost as uh, per, as being here. As here, right? Yeah. And so it was six weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. it was six weeks, and I flew to Sydney, and they picked me up, and 
Who went out. The grandfather? Yeah. It was, oh, it was all arranged. Well, they picked me up at the airport. We went out to where they lived out in the countryside in New South Wales. They have states there. And yes. one of their states yeah, is called yeah. New South Wales. So I stayed out there. And then and then after well, well, a... So I asked you, what kind of country was it? Like, was, was it in... Uh, what do they call it? The Blue um, Mountains? Pass? No, it was in the Blue Mountains, which are not really high mountains, but they're... You know, it would be cool, cold in the morning. It was yeah. their winter because it was summer here. Okay. Oh, it was their and, winter. Yeah, which meant I had never actually slept in such a cold room in my life. <laughs> because they don't, they don't have any heating. Yeah, the walls are like paper thin. So oh, I remember yeah. it was like 14 I'm degrees. I was freezing. Yeah. I'm a Canadian. Yeah. I'm supposed a... to be tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the cold. Well, it's just that we have nice snug bedrooms. Exactly. Yeah, we insulate our homes. So then, you know, I spent a week there. I got to know him and my and my step grandmother. And then they had they had a son who was there, an adopted son, as it turned out. And uh, and I got to know him. His name was Mark. And then after about a week, I just went off and I hitchhiked all you know down. They drove me off. He said, "Oh, you're going to go off on a walkabout." That's what they call it in Australia. It's, you're not actually walking. No, but because the Aborigines uh, would do this thing where uh, a young warrior would go and walk around off. in the desert for a year and then come back and have had some sort of mystical uh, experience. So my grand, my grandfather was, oh, you're gonna you're gonna do a walkabout, you know? So I did, and I went to Melbourne hitchhiking, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I mean, I went to Melbourne, then I flew so to the north. So where did you start? New South Wales? New South Sydney? Wales. Near city? Sydney. Near Sydney. Started, okay. Yeah. So you they drove me. I remember they drove me down a couple, a couple of hours to near, maybe into Victoria, which is the state. Because yes. I don't know if you know Australia's geography. By roughly. There's, right. There's where Sydney, and then you go to the south, you get yeah. to Melbourne, right? Yes, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then where's um, Canberra? Canberra is somewhere in between. Good question. Yeah, I never what it is. It's in yeah. between. I, I never actually Sorry, Aussies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you actually, tell, you actually, tell me where St. John's Newfoundland yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Or where <laughs> Ottawa is. Who the hell knows? Yeah, right. Yeah. Ottawa, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, um, I, I did have a few clicks in Australia, so maybe someone will be listening to this. Yeah. So we'll put it in the tag. But yeah, so I went there and then I flew to up to the north where it's tropical, like really tropical, and then I hitchhiked back around. Like Brisbane? Is that uh, yeah, well, Brisbane farther is? up Cairns, which is way, okay. way up. Oh, the okay, all right. You know, and pretty then, much, much accessible mostly by plane, then, is it? Um, we you could get a map up here. You, but yeah, well, I could put some maps, actually. It's a good idea. I'll yeah. put them up. Yeah, because you, you could drive there, but I just, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I was kind of, it was really like a, a kind of Jack Kerouac thing. Like, what yeah, am I going to yeah, do? Yeah. You know? Okay, hitchhike, and then okay. And I was thinking about going to South Australia, but yeah. then I, and then I thought maybe I could go all the way to Perth. Which and is you're way young up. and you're anxious. To yeah. Place. So I thought, okay, buy a plane ticket. So I went and bought like yeah. maybe I can get a plane ticket for a low price. So I yeah. got one and I yeah. flew. Okay. And then I hitchhiked back down. That, so that was a really interesting. Well, well, tell me what were they then? Let's let's. Uh, this was 1989. So let's focus on what. Just, you know, uh, we got other countries to visit. Was there anything, uh, what were your particular memories about, you know, that struck you odd or mystical mm. or interesting? Or about the people? Uh, That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, it's it was a long time ago. I, I, hear, I do remember, because I went to a lot of bars. I was like, into, I was young. So I was like, hey, I want to go out and drink and have yeah. a good time. So I remember one time I went into a bar and... Uh, and I, and I went and, I, and there was I was trying different beers. So there was this beer called Emu, the bird. So I was like, okay, I'll try that. So I buy That's it. Cute. And there's this weird old dude, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, this was in Melbourne, I think. And, and, and he can't, he said, and he was talking to me. I couldn't understand because he had a heavy accent. And then he, finally he spoke more slowly. Yeah. And he was asking if I was from Western Australia or something. Uh, I was like, no, I don't know anything about that. He's like, oh, that beer is from there. Oh, you know? oh. And I was like, okay. So then I started talking to this guy. He was weird, right? Yeah. And it turned out he was a Vietnam War vet. Right. Okay. Because apparently Australians. A volunteer had, from Australia. No, they were. They yeah, were. I supp- I don't know. Okay. I know that there was no Canadian involvement in Vietnam, but apparently there were Australian troops. Uh-huh. I don't know if they were conscripted. Good question. If the you know. Yeah, no, yeah, well, no, 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 yeah. no Canadians were conscripted to go to we Afghanistan. We didn't have regiments. We didn't have. Regiments. We had no troops in, in Vietnam. Can't, as far as I no, we would have been right? volunteers joining the American the U.S. Army, right? No, this was yeah. this was the Australian. So I learned I learned there that Australians had served in the army and gone like had served in Vietnam, which was yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was kind of an interesting thing. And I, a couple of things I remember about that because I learned one of the things I've learned from all these travels is is a lot of things about geopolitical yeah. things which yeah, right. are hard for Canadians to understand. So Canadians don't understand how precarious security is in most places. I remember this guy, yeah, saying to me, he because he was like, yeah, I was with Vietnam and all this stuff, and then he said something like, you know, here in Australia we have to worry about yeah. Indonesia. And I was like, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? You know, he's like, yeah, yeah. he said, yeah, Indonesia is just to the north of us. There's 200 million people living there. Right. And I remember at the time I was like, oh, that's insane. But then I thought about it. Yeah, thought, Actually, yeah. that's not crazy. <laughs> that's not crazy at all. Right, because we're, we're so smug. We don't even think about we the have, fact that we have the most powerful nation. And they protect us. 40 right? kilometers from, from <laughs> right, where we're sitting right. right now. Yeah. And they basically take of care of our security. Do. Yeah, because we never, it, never thought If, if anybody that. gets onto our so territory. That's, maybe that's, yeah. I was just had a thought. Maybe that's why the guys, the Australians sent troops to Vietnam to placate the Americans. Very good thought. That's that's something I put together later as uh, well. That's a very, uh, the, the, the Australian security situation. based on a movie, I, an Australian yeah. movie I saw. Really? Yeah. Me, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. great okay. Australian TV and movies. Is that the one about the Pine Gap? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the, that, yeah. See, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting it show. Is, yeah. Listen. Listeners could go yeah, and watch the, that. The, 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 between China and yes. the United yeah. States. Yeah. And, yeah. and it illustrates how, I mean, that, that show could not be made in Canada, really, because Canadians just, we have are, no, we're not anxious about that. There's no that. conflict. Yeah. There's no other person. There's no other uh, country. Like, even Russia doesn't bother with Canada, except the North. But. Right. I mean, well, even if there, there appears to be some intervention by the Chinese into our political process. Oh, yeah. But yeah. we don't have to worry that much, because if it gets that, if it gets <laughs> deeper, the CIA is going to be up here oh, yeah, you know, yeah. in a matter of, like, minutes, That's you know. Right. So. Okay, so that was my first trip. Um, after that, when I was about 25, I went to Europe. Yeah. And I flew from Montreal, and uh, and I traveled all around. And, uh, so, what Western made Europe. you choose the countries that you chose in Europe? Yeah, my Eurail pass. <laughs> well, I had one you once, know? and I would just hop on a train, and and uh, actually, in my case, if I may, I was twenty one, and I discovered after uh, after struggling with Quebecois French here, even though I was born here, but I always I, I only started learning it at seventeen, but I. At 21, I went to France, and I, I understood everything everybody said. It was as if they were speaking English. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Francophones, but that's the way it was. And I was so, and I found it so wonderful. I kept, I just simply stayed in French Europe almost all the time, mm. except for a trip to Scotland because I had a friend there. But you decided I, to. I flew to France, and, and I had the same. I don't know if you were interested in discovering other French-speaking. 
parts of the world because I the, did. It, I, it I was just to. that it was it was fun to be able to to understand what they were saying, right? And, and I right. felt good about myself. Interesting, because yeah. I felt that the conversations were not struggled, you know. Mm. And nobody, of course, was criticizing my French, my, my equality, yeah, my French either. That's interesting. Which, yeah. happened, which happened here a lot, francophone. <laughs> back in the old, that doesn't happen anymore. No, no, yeah. back in the old days. Right. Yes, yeah. So that seems like a thing that doesn't happen anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I mean, because because I people don't usually criticize me for having an accent. They may be rude to me or something. But yeah, but that's, that, even then, yeah. I don't even. And the younger people are complete. They don't care. Completely. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> so I wonder. They're yeah. beyond all. It was my generation, the uh, you know Palin Marois group. Yeah, you know, who couldn't eat. It. Yeah. So, anyways, let's back to you. Back to yeah. You would hop on a train. Did well, what the same thing? Yeah. Then? Well, it was a couple things. I wanted to discover other French speaking. Like, I found that interesting. You found it, too. Because I was interested in yeah. French culture being yeah. a, from Montreal at you this point. You were already living I, in yeah, Montreal. Yeah, exactly. By that point, I'd been in Montreal yeah. for many years. Yeah, and you got to uh, practice your French. Yeah, that was part of it, too, because my, my friend Sonny Greenwich, shout out to Sonny Greenwich, who's been on the podcast. Yes, listening. yes, yes. He used Which to one, say, junior or senior? Junior. Yeah. He, he used to say this thing. He would say... Uh, yeah, Montreal, because he lived in Paris for about three yeah. years, and, and he was from Montreal, and, and he, he would say, yeah, you know, uh, Montreal is supposed to be the second largest French-speaking city in the world. Yeah. Nobody speaks French in Montreal, right? Like, it was, yeah, he would just say that as a kind of a joke. Where would yeah. he say that? To me. Oh, okay. <laughs> he wouldn't say it to a Frank. No, no, it's a joke for Anglo's, obviously. <laughs> Nobody speaks, I don't get it, but anyways. It's, it's, no, it's, yeah, come on, John. You go down the street in Montreal, you hear English half the time, and yet everybody says, this, where? Yeah, but everybody yeah. says this is a French-speaking city. It's not a French-speaking city like Paris. No, His point yeah. is, you go to Paris, there's all kind of people living in Paris, including people who are Anglophones, but everybody agrees that French... Oh, I was just taking French it too is... literally, because he said the joke was, nobody speaks French. So, okay, let's move right, on. Okay. Let's go back to Europe. So, okay, so I, I traveled around... you got to watch me. I'm practically... Uh, Low-level autistics. It's <laughs> okay. This is my my podcast is really um, well made for autistic type. Yeah. I'm like, right? so yeah. So I was in Paris, and then I, I went to Germany to visit my uncle because, as I said, I had family there, and I spent some time there. And I went, I went to Italy for a little bit. And what I would do is is go to youth hostels, and then I would go on a train overnight so I could sleep on the train, yeah, save money, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I went and around on that trip, and then I went through over the Pyrenees into Spain to Barcelona, yeah. which was really interesting. Yeah. I spent a few days. Yeah. I ended up being stuck in Spain. I had nowhere to stay. The hotels were really expensive, and I met this guy, and, and a ca he had a cafe, and I was and and, uh, and I said I have nowhere to stay, and he, and he said, "Oh, I have my apartment." I said, "Okay, I'll give you a hundred francs." If, you know, he said, "Okay." So he let okay. me stay in his spare room, yeah. and uh, and then he drove me to Barcelona because I was not, you know, that was and that was really interesting nice. too. But yeah. have you ever been there before, Barcelona? Barcelona? No, it was hot yeah. the summer I was there. I didn't want to go much any further south. I, I was really having. A, yeah, how long were you in I Europe? It was beautiful in Scotland. Oh, you were in Scotland. <laughs> you went to Scotland okay. too. Yeah, I flew. on that trip I went to Ireland. I took uh, because the Eurail Pass. All, first, I had friends like Bernice. Yeah, uh, was in Ireland she was at that there. point. Okay. Yeah, Neeson and Sonny were not living there by that point. I'm trying to think, but she was there. So you could take a Eurail pass and you could use it for the ferries from Cherbourg at that point, and then cross England. Yeah, no, England was not included. I know that's the UK was not that's included. Right. 
but like Ireland, Ireland was. was. Yeah, exactly. I know. So and I wanted to go. Well, how anyway. did you get? So you had to cross England by, because it goes around. You know, you. Well, there's just, another ferry. You know, it goes, goes directly France to Ireland. I didn't know that. Yeah. How long does that take? Overnight. That's all. It takes about 12 hours. Fuck, everything's so tiny. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Europe, for, for Canadians, it's kind of like, yeah. like, like you, know, you long, drive for an hour and a half, you're like over three countries. I mean, what's that, like the ferry from Vancouver to Victoria? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, definitely to Newfoundland from Cape Breton. That's is, a long. Is about a something Six like hours, that. I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Probably okay. a bit longer. Yeah. Overnight. On that trip, okay. too, the funny thing happened. I, I was on the, on the boat, and they had a duty-free. So I went in there because, you know, I was drinking a lot. So I went in there to buy a bottle of Bushmills and I was standing there and the boat hit this huge wave because yeah. of the seas. And so the boat went up on almost like a 45 degree angle and all the bottles were not secured and they went flying and smashing. They were all glass. That's insane. I know. I know. It was crazy. And, and they immediately closed the duty free store because they had to clean everything up. And I was like, like I had my bottle in my hand, like oh, I was in the line already. Yeah, right? yeah. Imagine but, an Irishman witnessing that. Yeah, <laughs> crying. I, I don't joke. I'm part Irish. I know. I, well, I, actually, I was talking to an Irishman in the bar who had yeah. been on that boat a yeah. lot, yeah. and he was very visibly nervous about the sea, about how how stormy it was. Yeah. Okay. He was like, oh, the, the seas are rough today. You know, if we get there, like he was talking like, I don't know, you know, and all this. Day of doom approaching. Yeah, no, but no, but he was probably middle-aged. And I remember, I, I remember thinking, like he'd been on the crossing like a hundred times. So that told me it must have been really bad seas, right? If you've been on, because the North Sea gets rough sometimes, yeah. right? I mean, so, you know, or yeah. whatever, that's the Atlantic or anyway. Well, oh, yeah, that would be the, yeah. So that was, that was a really interesting trip. And it was kind of like a voyage of exploration of meeting people you know these kinds of things where you're going around meeting people in the youth hostel and going out and hanging out i was in amsterdam and smoking yeah, reefer right, and right. stuff and like yeah that kind of thing bondle yeah. park right is that where yeah, is yeah. That in amsterdam? yeah. yeah. All, right, all right so now let's get down to the so this is when i was about 25 25 let's get yeah. down to these interesting countries that Nobody I know has ever gone to, <laughs> which is uh, Slovakia. Okay, Slovakia. so right, and so because I, I had a few more trips in Europe by that that point between then and when I moved, but I had always wanted to go and live um, outside. You know, either whether it would be the United States or Europe, somewhere outside Canada, oh, okay. just to do something. Yeah. So I was always kind of looking for jobs in France. I wanted to go to France. I was like really fixated on France for some reason. And, um, but I couldn't find really like, the, I kept finding some places. There was this company that had like, um, these bicycle tours and they needed people who were bilingual, who could deal with American tourists and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember, I remember they were emailing back and forth and then they didn't need anybody and so on and so forth. And then I was kind of, and you know, and this and that. So I couldn't find any, um, any, any, uh, what do you call it? Any work. And I, and then, and then my friend JC went, he went to live in, in Paris. Um, you know, uh, at this point he was a software programmer that I worked with cause oh. I worked for a, for a, for a multimedia company. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to go and live in France. And so I, I was also looking for work as a teacher. So I found a job at a place in Slovakia that wanted to hire me. So I thought, okay, I'll go to Paris and maybe I can find some work, but you know. So I went there. I went to Paris. He said, "Yeah, you can come stay in my apartment." So I was staying in his mm -hmm. apartment, 
But I was there for a few weeks in November. This was 2001, and I couldn't really find anything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really looking that hard. And it's, but I had this job lined up in Bratislava. Wow. So that I and who? Sorry, it was this school, a language school oh. in Bratislava, Slovakia. So to teach English. To teach English, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, so that they had hired me. They were like they had because I, I wanted to go to Prague because Prague is cool or whatever. But there was a visa requirement for Canadians. Yeah. So this school that I worked for, the Caledonian school yeah. that I eventually worked for was also in Slovakia, and there was no requirement in Slovakia. So oh. I thought, okay. I remember I was talking to my brother. He's like, Jason, you know, take the path of least resistance. You know? Oh, because so, going, going to Prague. Czech, Prague yeah. and the Czech Republic then. They were two separate countries yeah, at that point. They, uh, okay. You know, they had, the velvet divorce had taken place. Right. So I went to, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so finally, after a few weeks in Paris, I'm kind of just hanging out, not really doing much. You yeah. Know? Uh, I got on the train and went to went to Vienna, and then I got to Vienna, and I, you know, went across the border to Slovakia, and got in there, and it was uh, quite an experience. To how long to, were you there? I was there for about ten months in, in Bratislava, just mm-hmm. under a year, and then I did go to the Czech Republic for a couple of months, and uh, and at that point, yeah, that was a really incredible time in Slovakia that I spent there. Did you there. use any German at all? I did. I, I during that period. While I was living in Europe, I managed to get to a point where I could converse in German yeah. because when I would travel yeah. in Germany, I eventually did. Yeah. But I also learned how to speak the Slovak language. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. I don't know oh. how I did that. I, I worked for a school. It was a, I should describe what the school was like. It was a um, what's called business English, which you probably have some familiarity yeah, with. Yeah, because you teach it. What's that? Because you teach? No, no, no. Well, business English schools are, I mean, I do. I, yeah, I you do. Right. But, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> business English schools are usually these things where companies will hire teachers to right. come into their offices. Oh, yes, you've yes, done that. yes. No, I had never done yeah. that. Because there's some here in Montreal. I've done yeah, it here in Montreal yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so it'd be so typically it would be very early in the morning, like seven a.m. You'd be yeah. there before their workday, an hour, an hour and a okay. half, or after, or sometimes during the lunchtime. Mm-hmm. You have these weird schedules, and so they needed people that, that they had English, they had French, they had German as their languages for these business people. Mm-hmm. And there was the French teacher was actually from Quebec as well. Oh. Uh, she was from Quebec wow. City, and that, that, that was really interesting. They hired a native speaker, and the only native speaker they could fi- find was a French Canadian. And she ended up actually teaching more English, even though she didn't was didn't yeah, feel yeah, qualified. Yeah. They needed her to yeah. do English, so she was so also. Are these teaching. native Slovak speakers? Yeah, uh, Is that the name some of the some were Hungarians. Some, some, some yeah. because because Slovakia is to describe Slovakia to uh, a person from Quebec. The Hungarian population is like the Anglophone population. Okay, it's about ten percent. And they have this very kind of, um, what's the word, be polite, sort of a dominant attitude oh, about, like, because it used to be, days. yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Slovakia was literally a part of Hungary until, yeah. until I suppose, the First World War, Okay, right? Um, sometime, anyway, yeah. uh, when the Czechoslovak, um, you know, nation was, was created, formed after World War One. Yeah. So there's, there was, you know, and the difference is there used to, because it, there used to be these large empires in Eastern Europe, you know, yes. there was Russian Empire, Austria-Hungary, yeah. and, and, and they, they encompassed these large territories that had multi-ethnic and multi-linguistic right, populations. Right, right, so right. Austria-Hungary was only, 
20 or 25 percent German speaking, for example, right? There were Romanians, there were Ruthenians and Poles wow. and Slovaks and Ukrainians, and, yeah. right? And, and, and Hungarians as well, who were a large yeah. chunk of it as well. So, yeah. so the Hungarians had this, when you would talk to them, they, they would sort of with this deep sort of like almost like a... Um, paternalistic view towards the majority population. It was very interesting. Wow. There was also a minority of gypsies, about 10% of the population there as well, oh. which was really, really, they were musicians on the streets and different. What language did they speak? They spoke usually Slovak. I've heard, I did hear they did have their own language yeah, of some like, kind. But right? it must you know, probably, I wonder if it varies from country to country. So yeah. you were, so I learned, well, what happened, just to, to finish the story about the, the language you asked me. Yes. So in this school, the school that I was teaching for, they had some classes at the school as well. And they also gave, because Bratislava was a, a capital city of yeah. this country, even though it's this tiny town of like oh, half a million oh, people, oh, it was the okay. capital of a country. So there were, there were um, embassies for, you know, other countries. And some of those people wanted to learn Slovak. So there were courses for foreigners, who, oh. right? So, so we could do these for free. So oh. I was like, okay. So I would go so and sit. I would, yeah. Lessons. And so I had it. It was about. It was about twice a week, and I and I would usually skip half the classes. Yeah. But I did go for about an hour and a half a week for a few months. Yeah. So that really Picked helped. That and and then I'd go and use it on the yes. streets. You yeah. know, I'd be out there trying to order things, right, talk to people. Right. And then you know, after about six then, months, I just started talking, and oh, I was like pretty good at it. Six so yeah. they they were not speaking English to you. Some people spoke English, yeah. not so many, not but so some many. did. Some yeah. did, yeah. Um, I wonder if there are yeah. a lot more now today. Probably, probably. Yeah. I mean, this was twenty years ago. Now, I know. So English, uh, is, uh, English has become more dominant. Yeah, just right? a little side note. I, as the limo driver, I picked up a couple of hockey draftees um, mm. this summer for the Canadians. No, oh, there were. Okay. This is where they picked the. They, they pick them. Right. Yeah, the draft the picks. Yeah, yeah. And they were going to Arizona. One was a, was a Finn, and the other was a German. 17. A German? Yeah. yeah. Wow, interesting. That's unusual. Not Is many it? German players in the NHL. Lots of Finns. But, okay. Yeah. No, well, they got in my car. They started talking to each other in English. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I swear to God, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, some of those teams in the NHL, there were, there, remember there was a team in Florida one time where there were so many non-English speaking players. I remember years ago, yeah. they, they had a lot of Russians. And at one point, I remember the commentators were talking to like, they had to impose English as the, because like all the Russians were talking to each other in Russian and all, you know, they were all kind of segregating. And, yeah. You know. But that's, that's unusual. Most of the time, the teams are like 50% of the NHL are Canadians. And most of them are English speaking or speak English fluently. So. French? Huh? Or French? Or French, yeah. Well, they, I asked them about it and they said, yes, we're all, we all learn it in school. They're, you know, um, it's very strong. They in Finland, English and Germany. is a second language. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Definitely, yeah. So I, 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 that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. I went back there. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think when I went back a few years after I lived there with my friend Neeson. We went <clears throat> through through there, and uh, I don't remember noticing. Anyway, uh, but I learned yeah, the language, yeah. and I can you, you know. say something for uh, us. I know you have to think. Yeah, hovorim pa slovenski. Okay, you speak. I speak Slovak. That's all I can remember now. <laughs> say but it I, again. Yeah, hovorim. 
Jahovarim. Jahovarim. Jahovarim, you don't have pa, to say. Pa Slovensky. Oh, okay. Pa so, means in Slovak. Okay, which, I speak in Slovak. Yeah, I really shouldn't say that because I don't. But, no, but yeah. I, I just wanted you to say something. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's not it's true. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But, you know, I could say, ja lublu pits vodku. That's one little Russian yeah, phrase Russian, I learned. Yeah. I, but it means I like to drink vodka and right. I don't drink at all. Right. So <laughs> we're even... I remember when I went back with Neeson, because it was a few years after Neeson and I, uh, when I, I was on a trip in about 2005, when I was living in Korea, I went to Europe on a trip. And then I was, you know, I was taking the train and all that um, from Amsterdam to Athens. And I went through there. So Neeson flew from Ireland. And so we met up for a few mm -hmm. days along the way. We went to Budapest and stuff. And he was really impressed. Even at that point, I had forgotten most of it by that point. But he was like, wow, you could... You know, yeah. he was impressed that I could do it. So yeah, it's, it's not hard to learn a language like that. But you'd be surprised. You know, I like, guess so. It's um, and you're. It's not. Uh, what's the alphabet? Cyrillic? No, no. So it's yeah. Alphabet. Well, there's. Oh, it, but it, then you're not even learn. Oh, you did have to learn how to read it in when you took the lessons in school. No, but it's 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 a Roman alphabet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's the same alphabet as we use. Pronounce the same. There's there's Slavic languages that there's you know there's Western Slavic and Eastern Slavic, yeah, right? Yeah. So Russian. Serbian, even though it's very far west, is actually Eastern. Yeah. And Ukrainian and Belarusian are all Eastern. And then yeah. you've got Polish, Czech, Slovak, and perhaps another uh, Croatian that are Western. And, and many of the Western Slo um, Slavic peoples, like Poles and Slovaks, are also Catholic. As well. Yeah, I was just going to so say, it's all based on that, right? East right. Roman Catholic. Versus or, Orthodox, or, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what you see, like, just to... I don't want to divert too much yeah. on politics, but... Or anything, but the the war in Ukraine for a long time, when the USSR dominated over Eastern Europe, these mm -hmm. countries, mm -hmm. those countries, like when you talk, when I talk to people in Slovakia and the yeah. Czech Republic, they hated the fact of having the Soviets dominate on them yes. for a number of reasons. One's because Russians can domineer in a very oppressive way; they don't like that. But also, <laughs> worse, they, worse than the Hungarians. Yeah, probably. Yes, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, well, it was worse. But more than that, I think they resented the idea of being thought of as Eastern Europeans because uh, I would sometimes I would say to people, "Oh, this is Eastern Europe," and they would get very upset. Oh, no, yeah? this, this is Central Europe. This is cent yeah, Central. and because they see themselves. And they would say things like Prague is further west than Vienna. They would say, which is yeah. technically true, right? Okay. You know? And 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 it's and it's interesting because that section of Europe does have more in common with the West historically, through, yeah, I see. you know, I didn't than it did with with the, the the period from World War II up to the fall of the Berlin Wall was somewhat anomalous. Yeah, the Iron I, Curtain. I grew up with that. I guess you did too. And we knew nothing. 17. Nothing. Yeah. They wouldn't teach us anything about it in school, really. I mean, as far as I can it's remember, mysterious. It, mysterious. Yeah. Maybe that was that part of your. Uh, you're longing to go over there because it was yeah, mysterious. Yeah, it's a great question. It's still mysterious. It is. To well, me. Eastern, Eastern Europe is the further east you go in Europe. Yeah. The more exotic. It gets. Sure. It really yeah. does. And by the time you get to Russia, you're in a place that's like, wow, this is different. Right? <laughs> it's kind of. It's kind of like you start out in the Czech Republic or like East Germany or someplace. It's kind of like, eh, you know, you can see a few differences or whatever. You go to Slovakia, you get to Hungary. Then when you get to Romania, yeah. it's like, wow, things are different oh like, yeah really different really? yeah i was in romania and transylvania once and you know and the train got rerouted through this um through the into the mountains because there was flooding at that yeah. point 
and you know, I'm on this train. First of all, I got onto a different train. I got I got on this train. Yeah. And I looked at this train and I thought, I could not imagine when this train was new. Like it was so run down and ripped apart. It was all pieces of the, the and you know, the, the train, the older trains with the ca- the carriages, like where the, not carriages, but they're like compartments where yeah. you're sitting opposite yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. Like you're not just in a row. So people. No, I, I the, yeah, I was in that in, in Western. Yeah. Those are those yeah. are less common in Western Europe now. It's more like know, our trains, which is which I is kind of tragic. Yeah, you go in, the door would open, you'd be in a little room with a bunch of people, I right? Yeah. Well, in Britain, you had your exterior door, right? And in France, though, it was down the hallway. But but yeah, we had the les compartments. Les compartments. I loved it. And also, there'd be a little social thing that would happen could, in those compartments. Yeah. People would sometimes talk to yeah, each other. Yeah, you exactly. know. So the trains in Eastern Europe were still like that. And this one was like, it looked like it was built, in, I don't know, 100 years ago. And it was yeah, falling apart. Yeah, yeah. And I got on and I was sitting there and there was a... And there was a woman, a Romanian woman, breastfeeding her kid next yeah, to yeah. me, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there was a gypsy, like an actual gypsy sitting opposite me. And somehow we were trying to talk to She was trying to talk to me. Like, she sees, who are you? You know, she noticed I was a foreigner. Yeah. And she was wearing this gypsy clothing. What does that even look like? Like a it's, TV? You, I just imagine. <laughs> look, I mean, look, I tell you, John. Going, well, these kind of flowing dresses and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay. And, like, and, she, and I remember, too, she, she wasn't that good yeah. looking, but she wasn't wearing a bra. Like, it yeah, was kind of yeah, like, yeah. she wasn't bad looking, but she was attractive enough that yeah, as a young guy, I was kind of like, wow, you know. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> well, hanging boobs. <laughs> yeah, they weren't big. But I, <laughs> at one point, she went into the other compartment. She was sleeping in there. Oh, uh, yeah. So anyway, really un- unruly it was kind of. Yeah, it was very unruly. But the other thing was going through these villages and talking to these yeah. people. I remember I looked around and I was looking at the villages and the people. And I and the first thing I thought to myself was. Is there some kind of folklore festival going on? Because the people are walking around in these clothing and horse-drawn carriages and yeah. stuff. This is in two thousand and five, wow. right? Yeah, this I know. This century, this century, yeah. And people out in the in the in the, in the fields with like sickles, like yes. using hand yeah, yeah, tools, yeah. And piles of wheat, and really? stuff like bale, like not bales, you know, when they pile it up. In yeah, the like the, 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 yeah, like a yeah. teepee kind yeah, of thing, yeah. you know. And I remember thinking, this is wild. And that's again, Romania is you know, further east in Europe, right? So it's more... You but, see this, like, if you think about the Dracula story, yeah, if you th- that's a kind of, like, people from... That was a Western European who wrote that, right? Mm-hmm. First, Shelley who wrote that? Yeah, that's that, right. Right? So it's... Mary, so, no. Mary... It was Mary Shelley. Wait a minute. Frankenstein. Up with Frankenstein, yeah. But it was... Was it her who did Dracula? I'm not sure. Bram Stoker. That's it. Bram Stoker. That's but he was English, yeah. right? I, I don't know. Okay. I think he was... I he was British. I mean, he, he wasn't Romanian, yes, right? not. So, I, like, if you think about, like, the, the, the Dracula story, it's a Western person, perhaps maybe they traveled there and looking at this sort of yeah. dangerous, unusual kind of place. Right? Very mysterious. And dark. Dark. And it has, um, you know, Romania, too, in Transylvania, um, is not heavily populated. So it has lots of forests and wolves and animals, you know. So you can imagine writing a story, like, mm-hmm. a, from a Western point of view. Where things are more orderly, especially if you're British. If you're British, yeah, because everything is overly orderly, right? right? (laughs) It's simply not done, right? But that's one of the things. Yeah, well, it's one of the things that struck me about Eastern Europe was was the 
lack of, I mean, it's less developed, and I don't mean that as an insult to the people at all. Uh -huh. It's just less advanced economically yes. than, than Western yes, yes. Europe. Right? Yeah. And that's been true for centuries. That's yeah. just been the case yeah. for a long time, right? Well, and yet they, they speak a Romance language. They do in Romania, yeah. yeah. That's one of the more interesting. Romania is even more complex than, than Slovakia linguistically. It has a very large Hungarian minority oh. of, I don't know, 10 or 15 at least percent of the yeah. population and then they've also got um a large uh, romany gypsy population yes. and they've got yeah. you know did you ever learn any hungarian a little bit? i tried to hungarian as you may know is not even european no, in right. origin it's related to finnish something it? like that and, it, and some languages in russia yeah, in, yeah. You know, across it's the ural mountains thing, yeah <laughs> so and if you just go around if you go to budapest and you just try and read things it's like it's they just nothing is familiar you know when you go oh. you see poly TA or something. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, oh, okay, that's the police or whatever. You go to you go to Hungary, like not as hard, none of the words are even remotely sort of recognizable. It, it's sort of know? the Western alphabet with yeah, it's yeah with all these crazy words you can't understand. Like, it, it, yeah. yeah, like Welsh maybe. Yeah, no, but even Welsh, I, I don't know any Welsh. But, but if you see, I'm, I'm guessing some of the words must look cognate like. I right? always got the impression none of them do yeah. Welsh. Yeah. It just seems, but it's it, it's Celtic. Right. Yeah. Right. But, well, but police, well, like you say, police is so similar. That's true. So many languages. But not Welsh. Yeah. Oh no, I don't know about yeah. Welsh. But I yeah. just mean in Europe, if you say polizia, you say policia, you say you said, yeah. saw that in, in in okay. So, so what, that, what were the signs? Tell me, get back to uh, Slovakia. Yeah, the capital. Yeah. What was it? Bratislava. Bratislava. What did the signs read in there? What were they? Slovak. Slovak. They were all, all Slovak. Slovak. All Slovak. Yeah. No Hungarian. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I know that in the, most of the Hungarians come from the south of the country. Yeah. If you go to some villages in the south, everybody speaks Hungarian. Okay, so there's no language law like there is in well, Quebec. Well, what, what? there may be. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I do know that there were accommodations. There were schools that yeah. were paid for, the same as we have English schools here. Yeah. And there's a whole population of people. Sure. And many, many of the Hungarians I met were also fluent in, in Slovak as well. They, they were... I wouldn't say they were integrated exactly, yeah. but they were capable of, but, you know. Uh, but not yet in English. Like you see in they Asia, also, yeah. you see signs in English. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. no there, at least at that time, there no. were. There was a trend towards that. I remember yeah. seeing when I was in the Czech Republic, I remember that they changed because the way they, they the word for telephone was like T E L E. F O N. Oh yeah, and I remember that's thinking, like German. Yeah, right. And I remember thinking that was a more logical spelling. And I remember they fucking changed it to an English spelling. It was like uh, you're making the spelling worse. Like what? Yeah, just because it's, it's cool or something? You're doing you know? it wrong. Yeah, like, no. But also, it's like if you have it's a cool better spelling, yeah. Why would you go to a bad? Anyway, it was just like know, just because it's cool to be in English. Like an English. I know because German, yeah. Spanish, Dutch, they Use have the they perfected the spelling. They made it a lot better than French and English. Boy, that's we have sure. rancid spelling. And it's too late now. We lost that boat. It's true. There was a kind of a window, I guess, in the 19th century when a lot of those countries, perhaps, you know, perhaps, yeah. yeah. But, so that was Slovakia. Yeah, it was. It was relatively. I mean, you could tell the people there were interested in integrating with the West. They were very yeah. proud of being. They really they wanted to join the EU, and now they are in the EU. Are At they, that point, they were not. Okay. Um, they, are, are they in the um, 
the, NATO? Yes, that yeah. was another thing. I mean, again, going back to the security thing, this was another education. In yeah. You would talk to people there, and I was like, well, why would you worry about you know the Russians? And they, they sort of look at me like I was crazy, oh, you know, yeah. because I was what do you worry about Russia for? It's like, they would kind of look at me like, are you crazy? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why would you not worry about Russia is the real question, right, you know? Right. And I remember one time um, there was, I, when I lived in the, I think I was, I think I was in Slovakia, yeah, and, and I was talking to some people and they were telling me something in the news about how some neo-Nazis had gone around and spray painted things in the night yeah. and they spray painted all this horrible stuff. They said, this, this was all Germany. You know, so we, this was Nazi oh. Germany, and it will become again. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. and all this stuff, like you know, all this kind. Of, they had spray painted on the walls. It was it was sort of in the newspapers. People yeah, were talking right. about, it. and we, they they were sort of talking about it, very concerned and everything. And I looked at them. I was like, well, you know, you can't be, you know you can't really be seriously worried about oh, yeah. Nazis. You know, uh-huh. Ger- Ger- you look at Germany today. It's yeah. and and I remember just the way the woman looked at me. She looked at me with this look of like. Not so sure. That yeah. that could, you know, like it was really. And if, you, if you're from that part of the world, if you're yeah. from, if you're Czech or if you're Slovak, you've seen the Russian army come. Yeah. Your grandparents did. Yeah. You know what I mean? You 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 have people and they who told the Nazis. Right. They there are people who told yeah. you stories about when the Nazis came and raging. They're just through. a little country. They're just a little country in the middle that gets yeah. blasted over right. from this, you know, and and that's happened for centuries exactly. in that part of the world, yeah. right? So like. So for them, it's like, yeah, we've lived in this peace since 1945, relatively, although the, they were under the domination of the Soviets, right? You don't okay. remember that until 1989. Yeah. yeah. Well, were you they know? not communists? They were. That's the point. They didn't. The, the people there, I remember the people there were rabidly anti-communist. Yeah. That, you, you hear me. You know how anti-communist yeah, I am yeah, now? Yeah. That started when I, because I wasn't like that before. Okay. You know, I remember um, talking to people about Cuba, because I was one of these Canadians who thought, oh, Cuba's so hip. Oh, cool. you were one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember, you know, I thought, oh, the Americans are always... Even right. I was never like that. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. no. no. And, and I remember I had a friend, Eva um, Dudashova, who was, who was my... Uh, she still is my friend. She lives in China, and uh, and I remember, she, I remember we were drinking once, and she said, Jason, you don't understand. Yeah. We grew up under this thing. The yeah. people in Cuba are under this, they're suffering under an oppressive regime. It's awful. You can't, you know. Yeah. And I was like, come on, it's nice. You know, the, they have health care. You know, it's not so bad. And, and and that was the first time I had heard people who really, yeah. you know, yeah, from a firsthand experience. Because yeah. at, at that point, I mean, Ava is about my age, so she's probably in her mid to late 40s now. Um, so she had grown up uh, in the communist system as a, as a kid, you know. Uh, but yet you hear Russians today, like immigrants, talking about how everything was taken care of back in the day. It's technically I've, true. I've heard some of them. Yep. It was, yeah. But that's compared to modern Russia, which is completely... I, I think that that's, there probably are people even in Slovakia and the Czech Republic who are nostalgic for it, for that stability. But those countries are probably more stable than Russia. Russia's a mess. Well, right? Russia's a... I don't know how much of a mess Russia Ouch. is compared to them. Hey, did you know you had a nail? Nail? Yeah, okay. Yeah, We're having yeah. some... Okay. Yeah. If you want to change chairs. No, please. no, I'll okay. just want to do that again. One, one thing I would say, one thing I hear, I think... Because, yes, there are some people who are nostalgic for the communist time in many of those places, but not the majority of mm-hmm. the people. Okay. Um, as to Russia, it's a little more complicated yeah. for a couple of reasons, um, partly because at this point it's a dictatorship. So people who are nostalgic for the Soviet Union, they're going to be listened to because 
um, Vladimir Putin is yeah. nostalgic. And why is Vladimir Putin nostalgic for the Soviets? Because of the power. Yeah. Because Russia was powerful. Right. Was, right. You know. Yeah. And so I think for Russians, it's part of it is a nostalgia for their youth. But it's also for this great empire power that the Soviet mm. Union had. Okay. You know, whereas if you're Slovak, that yeah. great empire power of Russia did not never, serve you very. No, and right? you and you never right. your own people didn't have a, a no, right exactly. Yeah. Slovaks and Czechs never had any big right. empires, and their language isn't that close to Russian, right? Not close enough to understand, and they're not, not like Ukrainian and Russian. Yes, you, that's yeah, that game back to the East West Slovak yeah, thing. Yeah, Ukrainian, yeah. Ukrainian, and Russian is from what I understand are. They're like um, Swedish and Norwegian. Okay, they can you know they can oh, talk yeah, to each yeah. other. I think, although I don't know. Yeah. Please, um, if anyone, and I don't mean any insult to Ukrainians out there. I want to make sure that <laughs> I don't want anybody to say. I know I, they're two I, different languages. They are they different, are different are languages. Two the same languages. the same way that Dutch and German are different languages, uh, right? Yeah. You know, okay. but they're so, related. So, so these, um, but I'm fast. Did you? Um, you went to Slovakia. You went to Romania. What other countries did you visit? Then? Uh, what, um, th those were multiple trips. Ger uh, Germany, throughout Germany, Berlin. I'm really interested in the East. Yeah, Europe. Romania. Revealing. I, you're revealing. Yeah. This is the kind of <laughs> travels that yeah. I want to hear yeah. about. You know, Romania. that's what you said about Romania. Yeah, I mean, it makes incredible. me think of what's that guy, who that comedian who does a. Uh, he's he's from some country and he goes. Oh, to the, the British one. Is he Sasha Baron Cohen yeah, when yeah, he pretends yeah, yeah. to be yeah, Borat or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this what Sasha like Baron Cohen is the guy's name. That's what it sounds yeah. like. You know, yeah. pulling a um, a, a trabant with a horse, a horse <laughs> pulling a trabant. <laughs> So it it sounds a little bit like like the hillbillies of uh, the, of the United yes, States. Yes, I, I, I think I think that's a good way to think about it because you know what defines hillbilly culture? Well, people living in an isolated place, yes, yes. who are um, they're economically backward. Yes. they're in mountains. Transylvania is a mountainous place, mountains, right? Exactly, isn't it? exactly. It's like New Upper New York State, right? It's mountainous, and, and they're people, poor as, yeah, exactly as ditchwater. I can say shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's an ancient phenomenon that yeah, Thomas Sowell has written endlessly right. about. People in mountainous parts of the world um, tend to be poor. They tend to be very stubbornly proud yeah. and suspicious of anyone coming from the outside. Yeah, Look at right. Afghanistan, sort of the ar yeah. archetypal example, right, of people who poor as hell and they don't want outsiders coming in. Right? And here and, the Laurentians know. always struck me as very poor, uh, yep. the, the indigenous yeah. people. I don't mean uh, Indians. I mean you mean the French Canadians. The French Canadians yeah. have been there yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Whereas if you drive out to the eastern townships where all the farms are on the They're flat, much land, wealthier. Oh, do they look? Yeah, I had. Yeah. yeah, I had passengers remarking on how how wealthy. They also, were. in the Laurentians too, that, that was during the conscription crises. It was common for people to hide. In ah. mountains, right. So mountains are places where people can go and. You know, disappear. Yeah, and that's cool. You know, eh? I yeah. love that. You know, I, that's, I want to retire in the in the, in in the, the mountains, in the hills. Yeah. yeah, they're not big mountains, of course. But um, so, but that trip actually. So I went through Romania, and then I also I, I was on my way to Greece. So I went through Eastern Europe, and I stopped in Romania a few places, and then I went down through Bulgaria to Istanbul oh, okay. on the train. Yeah. yeah, so I just threw it on the train. Oh, okay, and okay. ended up in Istanbul. Oh. And that was really incredible. That one thing that happened there that was interesting was on the train, there was, again, very poor mm -hmm. people. So these Bulgarians, as we got to the south of Bulgaria, we had to wait at the border. The Danube River was the border. We had to wait uh, for about three hours, and we crossed, and we went through Bulgaria. We got to the near the, the Turkish border, and Bulgaria is very poor. 
And these Bulgarian people got on. I remember a few people got on at a station. We were close to the border, and they and they were Bulgarians. And and the the, the, the a couple of things I remember was they got on. They sat in the compartment with me, and when the ticket guy came around to get their ticket, instead of giving them a ticket, they gave him they gave him a little two euro coin, and he just took it and he sort of nodded his head like this and just put it in his pocket. <laughs> It's hilarious. Know, just took a little two euro coin. Like, what, you know, what the hell is that? Are you taking a bus? Like, what? <laughs> right. And then. How we, much was a trip? I don't know what the prices were. I had my ticket bought from where I was, you know, when I was yeah, on a long yeah, range yeah, ticket. Yeah. And I have no idea. These people got on. They were only not going to go very far. So, anyway. So we. Oh, oh yeah. Like a bus. It, see. Kind yeah, of, yeah, I guess, because yeah, the trains they have lots of stops. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> And so then we got across we the border, and the yeah. Turkish. There was a few things that happened. The Tur- the, the Turkish um, uh, customs and came around, and they came in to ask us questions, and were showing them the passports and all this stuff. And um, the, the 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 you know they're checking our passports, and then they're looking at our bags, like is that yours? And like so, looking in the bags, and then they pointed at a bag that was kind of hanging on a on a post in the thing, and they. They said, uh, "Is is that is is that yours?" And they're like, "No, nobody claimed the bag." Mm. Like, no, you know. So they opened the bag up, and there were these two huge bottles of vodka inside, right? And so they took them. They they very it was very ceremonial. They put they put them down. They took out gloves, like rubber gloves, pulled them on, opened up the windows, and dumped the vodka out. Poured it out outside <laughs> the thing, and this very kind of. And then it, and then I realized, and then we crossed the border, and the woman next to me said, "Look, I got one across," and she had one in her, uh, in her handbag. And I realized these people are smuggling liquor into Turkey. That's uh, what they must be doing to make money, okay. right? And the reason is for a couple of reasons. Bulgaria is much poorer; so liquor would be cheaper. Uh, Turkey is a Muslim country, so right. it's actually harder to get liquor. In Turkey. Right, it's actually right. harder. So, and I remember thinking, and just the way they did it, they had this kind of. You know, we don't tolerate this alcohol. Like they kind of stood up straight. These, these yeah, he was really Turkish. acting the part. Yeah, yeah, and they, they with these rubber gloves and dumping them outside the window in this rubber very gloves. sort of like you know you heathen you know you people alcohol. drink yeah yeah you know drink, yeah we'll, we'll not t- we'll not come into our country yeah we'll not touch our skin we'll wear gloves. That's funny. And, Making I know. a show of it. Of course, he, he yeah. And I remember that also we had to pay a visa fee to get into okay. Turkey. Every, everybody did. Why did you say, now, did they, were they making their own, was it, was it? No, no, shot? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I didn't okay. get that good of a look at the bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't look, it, you know, as memory serves, it was probably just store-bought. Store-bought vodka. was cheap, right? Yeah, okay. You know, liquor. It might vodka. not even have been vodka. I've got that part of the world, I guess, is. Yeah, pretty common. I suppose it's common, yeah. 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 We had to pay visas, I remember, that was. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the different countries had different amounts. I remember having to pay as a Canadian. It was like, I don't know, 100 euros or something. I forget. I'm a... Get a map up. I want to know what other countries are with. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can, this will jog your memory. You, you, you want to see a map of... A map of, of uh, uh, Eastern, Middle Europe. Sure, sure. Okay, so let's... Well, I want to uh, jog your memory for some more interesting... Okay. Uh, so the Romania store. The Romania snippets was, was very interesting. Okay. How do I back very up? Very visual. The Romania part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me... Well, you just... You said you went several times, too, didn't to you? To Romania? Yeah. Uh, no, Romania only went okay. once, as a matter of fact. I went several times to... To... Um, Oh, God, this stupid thing. Uh, hold on. 
you know, this is this computer has a bad um it's one mouse. of these like yeah touch things mm. sorry everybody out there i'm just uh okay good so here's a map okay here's the world i just zoomed here's out from montreal okay up. so there's europe okay yeah, yeah, so yeah. we've got france in the west i'll just describe it to make people. it a bit bigger right so here's you go from france through germany to austria there's hungary there's bratislava can you see it yeah. Hungary. Oops. Oh, there's Slovenia. Did you go there? No, I never did. And Slovenia and Slovakia, people confuse them all the time. Did people, you go? You know. Okay. And so you didn't go down here? Croatia, uh, not not into, no, not into the Balkans. That would be, here. no, did, unfortunately. Did you mention Serbia before? I did, but I never went there myself. No, I mentioned Serbia as a language. Were you, were you in Hungary? Uh, yes, I was in Budapest okay. and through, and here's Bratislava, which is, which is, as you can see here, Košice is in the east. That's the Ukraine there. Uh, the very far east of Hungary borders. Where's Ukraine. Romania? Right here. Oh, down yeah. there. I always yeah. think it's and there's Moldova. Moldova. I know. The, the I've poorest country in the, yeah. I met them here, yeah. <laughs> so One just the poorest countries, eh? Yeah. So just to describe to people where we were, this is the Danube River, which is the border uh between Romania and Bulgaria. Can you see the border? See yeah. the gray line? That's the Danube. Uh-huh. So that's where I waited. I went I went through Bucharest. I remember I was in changing trains ah, there and stuff and I, and I was out there like I, had, I think i had a couple of hours so i was in the train station i remember this yeah. guy came up and talked to me he's like yeah i'll give you a tour you know my cab you know only 50 yeah, bucks yeah. and i was like ah, i only got a couple of hours so i was kind of talking to him but, yeah uh, anyway um and then so as this is to just to show you the trains go down here and then you go into turkey which you see this is turkey yeah. here okay that's yeah. greece right? Right. right so then you can see this is european turkey very small just a yeah. tiny little bit you oh, see that tiny little really that's yeah that's all european they have turkey. well because it's in it's europe part of the technically continent. you see istanbul tech i mean tech this is very technical it shows yeah. europe is not really a separate continent well of course not you know it's uh but i mean if, if we if we if we zoom in on istanbul there's the see here's the isthmus right so yeah. The, right. Yeah. So technically, this is Asia, and technically, this is Europe. Right. And the, you know, Istanbul is right there. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Between Constantinople. Right? Constantinople, right? And uh, so that that was really interesting being in uh, Istanbul. How far east uh, did you go after that? I that didn't. I it? didn't. Oh, I just hung out okay, there for so a few days, and yeah. and then and then interesting thing. So then I took the train to Athens because I was going to go meet my family, which they own but the place. Istanbul. Everything there was more modern. Then. Oh yeah, that, that's another thing I should mention that yeah. people was the difference between Turkey and Bulgaria economically yeah. was so striking and Romania. Yeah. It was so much more advanced. Even in the countryside. Yeah. yeah. When you in the countryside was much better organized. The yeah. fields looked better. There were modern vehicles being used, yeah. like tractors yeah. and you know, stuff like that. You didn't see in Bulgaria people like, hey, people out in the fields. And you know what it is? It's the communism. It's the communism. Uh, yeah. That's what retarded those those countries, okay. and, and Turkey was never communist. What right? uh, what what kind of a government did they have? Turkey? Well, they had dictatorships, but they never had they, they had Marxist Leninism. They no. have they have a dictatorship again, but they never oh, had communism. A, a, an Islam government. An it's, Islam? Yeah, Erdogan is very. Uh, oh, I wouldn't say Islamic, Islamist, but he's you know anyway. Okay. They, I mean, but look, were, Turkey it seems to be more. Yeah, yeah what yes. you're saying it not works. I wouldn't say that. They might not agree, but it is economically more profitable. Look, you know, 
dictators that are not communists tend to be less bad yeah. for the economy yeah. than dictators who are. Yeah. Right? Now, they're both yeah. bad if you live under a dictator. Right, right. right. They're not, right. I don't want to say, yeah, Trujillo, Pinochet, and, uh, you right, know, right. great, yeah, it's wonderful. It's like, no, it sucks. Yeah. But at least at least you can go to church, which might sound stupid to some people. But you have the freedom. You have too. the freedom to go to church. Exactly. You know? Again, I don't want to, please. What do you mean? Don't... You can go to church in, in, in uh, Turkey? What, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, if you live under a communist, dictatorship you there are certain things that are worse the, yeah. the, the control of the economy yeah. is much more direct that's and right. deeper and i'm not by any means saying that a right-wing dictator like franco or trujillo right. or, or erdogan or yeah. putin or anyone like that is good because they're terrible right right, right. but just to point out that they're less terrible than a communist uh, totalitarian <laughs> thing but here's a i don't know here's uh -huh. a funny thing that happens so okay um, I took the train to Greece, yeah. um, and so the train way over there. Yeah, yeah. So here's Greece comes way over here, and oh, that's okay. the Greek border, right? It comes. You see? Oh, and all of these islands. I'm ignorant. All, all okay. of these. I see these yeah. islands that are right off the They're coast Greek? of Turkey. They're all Greek. They're oh. called the Greek islands. Every single island, basically, that is off the coast of Western Turkey wow. is a Greek island. Where's Cyprus? Cyprus is, let's back up, it's much bigger and it's down in the Mediterranean. Hold on. It's very large. And that's where there's always been a, Here. a yeah, fight it's way about down. Who, whether it's Greek well, or Turkish. Well, look, Cyprus was a Greek island and yeah. the Turks invaded in 1974 right. and now part of it is occupied by Turkey. It's never been fully well, ceded. Well, Canada has had peacekeepers yep. for so long. Yep. Are they still yep. there? I mean, look, you know, look, this is a historical thing that we should talk about. All of this area we're looking at here yeah. was Greece until 14, uh, what is uh -huh. it, 1438 or whatever, when, when, the, when the Turks oh. finally seized control oh, of Istanbul. That's not long ago. Yeah, only 600 years. That's no relative. <laughs> yeah, relative I'm, to ancient. Right now, I'm looking at Lebanon. Yeah, which right. Is so, right. So old Lebanon. And also, we're talking about the Roman Empire. Yeah. The, 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 and so, in 14, what is it, 1448 or what? There's some date in the in the 15th century when the because the Greeks and, and the Turks had been fighting for centuries for the control of Anatolia, and then finally the the Turks got the upper hand, mm -hmm. and they took over, and they renamed the city, and they, they ethnically cleansed the place of the mm -hmm. Greeks and all that, and they eventually took over what's now Greece, and they occupied it under the Ottoman, and then Greece became independent again in about 200 years ago, so that's kind of a boring historical lesson, but what, what results for the modern world, which is important again, yeah. is this enmity between Greeks and Tur between Greece and Turkey, yeah. right? And my colleague is a, um, a native-born Canadian, but she's of Greek. Her parents are from Cyprus, actually. Yeah. Lenny, um, Lenny Georgiou. And she tells me things all the time about problems between how the Turkish planes come in and violate the airspace all the time and try and provoke them and all this stuff. She's looking at it from a Greek perspective. I mean, I don't know what the Turks would say about that, right? You know, I'm sure if I went to, oh, yeah, the Greeks are doing this and doing that. We're just responding, right? I mean, they all, you know. <laughs> I think right? it's time to move. If we, if, sure, if this, if sure. To, to North, that's the next time, the next trip. Is sure, North, uh, yeah. South Korea. Sure. Just one quick thing sure. I want to recount okay. was on that train trip. Oh, yeah. When we got to the border, the train stopped at the Greek border right here, just on this enmity thing. Oh, yeah. You were on the train going back. Uh, going back into, into well, going into Greece. To Western Europe. Into yeah. Western Europe. And, and the train stopped, and we all got out, and there was it was nowhere. It was nowhere. And there's soldiers standing around with machine guns, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's really nervous. Like you're all getting and, that shot. 
Well, yeah, and, and, yeah. and we're in the middle of nowhere, but we're at the border. And then the train comes in from Thessaloniki. The Greeks won't send their train into, into Turkey, and the Turks will not send their train into Greece. They just won't fucking do it. We're not, you know. And so you have to stand in the middle of nowhere and wait for the train to come in from uh, Greece and get on. Everybody has to take all your stuff. This is unique. I just what I told you. When I went from Amsterdam all the way to Istanbul, I never had to change trains when I got to a border. You didn't go through Greece. I'm just saying all no, the other... You- yeah, all the uh, I didn't go through Greece. All it. the other countries that I went through, from Amsterdam all the way to Istanbul, yeah. the trains just they had to wait at the border sometimes. Yeah. But they would go but across they and they would. But yeah, if a train right. came from Greece, no way. And we and, and there was a guy on the train who was older, who was German, who'd grown up in Berlin, and he said it was easier to go across. He he was like in his sixties maybe, yeah. and he said when I was a kid, we used to go. To, I was from East Germany. We yeah, go to the West. It was easier than was doing easier. this, you know. Yeah. So that's interesting too that it was easy. Yeah, so that well, east less bad than that. They were kids. They kids find ways. Teenagers, (laughs) young people find ways. So why don't you said you wanted to move to? Well, uh, is that the Korea more a little interesting? Not really. I mean, I I could talk on and on and on about Slovakia, but you know. So you went back, came back to Canada, and no, I didn't actually. I I what what happened was why I went there was. What, I, I left for a number of reasons. I wanted to clear my head of some uh, some usage of substances, let's say, right. right? So I wanted to kind of get away from that. I also wanted to go live in another part of the world. Yeah. I also had a lot of student loans that I wasn't paying. Yeah, you were running away from right. that, and hiding so, from that. Right, and so I was, I was living over there, and I was having a great time. And at one point I said to myself, if I, if I go home... Yeah, I, I like I, I either have to make a decision to pay those debts, yes, or I, I, I can't really go home because if I go home, I'm gonna have to live paycheck to paycheck, cash, or you know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I said, I have to deal with these debts. Yes. I have to find a way to pay. Yeah, them. sure. We and can... I was making a few hundred dollars a month in Slovakia. I was not making very much money. Right. I was living fine because it was yeah. cheap, and I had an apartment. Oh, I think I see that. what's coming. So I th- so I thought to myself, what am I going to do? So I thought, where can I make money? Well, the Middle East or the Far East. So I looked at the Middle East and I thought, hmm, you know, uh, make a lot of money in Saudi Arabia teaching yeah. English, right? But can't drink in a lot of places. I was like, that's not so good. Like I was, a- and also, what about the women? Because I was a young guy, I don't want to date the local women. It's like they're all wearing these things. I was like, I don't want to do that. Could have dated Indian women, right? Maybe, yeah, but I didn't, I I was kind of like, I don't really want to deal with all that. It was kind of too complicated. So I I looked at the Far East and at that point, China, you couldn't, it wasn't quite economically up enough to make a lot of money. Oh yeah. So it was down to South Korea or Japan. Right? Okay, and what about Hong Kong? Was Hong, Kong Hong Kong was very small and harder to get into. I didn't even consider... Oh, this was past, past uh, 1999, I guess. This, this was, was 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it was, was already a part of China. Yeah, That's yeah. A good point. Okay. So I looked at Japan and, and South Korea, and, and Japan looked interesting. My brother had lived in Japan some yeah. years before, but it looked it was it was more developed economically, and it was harder to get set up at the beginning. Like they, places, the schools would not offer you an apartment uh, and stuff. And so I was like, I'll just go to South Korea just because why not, you know? And, okay. I, and I, I can find a job. That's a piece know. of the puzzle that somehow had yeah. clicked in my mind that you went there to teach and yeah, to teach and to. And to make money to pay down my well, debts. That's another interesting yeah. thing. And did you? Did you make I a lot paid, of money? I made, it took me a couple of years, but I had, I had, at this point, I had like $30,000 $30, in debts, maybe more. Oh. It's a lot of money, you know? And uh, going to university. University, yeah. I thought you went to Concordia. I did. 
<laughs> I went to Concord. Oh, but as an Ontario student? No, no, no. But I, I came to Quebec when I was 18. There was no differences. Okay. And it's just that, you know, first of all, I got my first degree. And I borrowed money from from the federal government, from the Ontario government. And uh, then when I went back to school, I was a Quebec resident by that yeah. point. So I got the lower rates. And I borrowed money from the Quebec government and from, you know, and all that. Because I went back to school later. Yeah. I, I got my first degree by 1995. And then I went back in 1997. You really milked the cow, eh? And so uh, to get, uh, anyway, I dropped out yeah, of that yeah, one. Yeah. But anyway. It's, so, okay. You know, so you're in Korea for two years or more. Uh, three years. Three years? Three years That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. So you must have learned that language a little bit. I learned how to speak what's called survival Korean. Yeah. Yeah, learn how to, you know, negotiate prices with taxi drivers and order things. And, Is it that hard know. to learn? It, well, it, I, it was harder than Slovak in the sense yeah. that it's really different. But at one point, you know, because I had a girlfriend for about a little over a year of that time. Native Korean? And a Korean. And it was kind of a, I don't know if it was a serious thing, but she was, it was a kind of a serious thing. We were, we were together. And then I got a new job and I had this new job at a nice, because I started out teaching in, in this place that was like one of these private schools and the schedule yeah. was really bad. And it was, anyway. Mm -hmm. And then I, then I got a much, I, about a year after I was there, I got a much better job at a college where I had a much better schedule and all that. And it was it was out in the country near the DMZ, actually. What's the DMZ? The DMZ is the demilitarized zone. And the only reason I don't say DMZ, because I was saying that. Oh, because uh, it's American occupation. No, just because no. I, 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 I think at the first, because I say Z. Yeah, as a Canadian. As a Canadian. But then, so the first, like, few months I was there, I would say DMZ. And everyone kind of looked at me like oh. I was crazy. So I just stopped doing it and started saying DMZ. And people wouldn't, Okay. You know. Well, but it was the demilitarized zone is you know North and South Korea have yeah. a border and there's a yeah. zone of I think it's fifteen kilometers or a few kilometers maybe eight yeah of a place in between yeah. where there's no military because technically the two countries are at war yeah now You're right? right still yeah. yeah so and at that college I was near that I I could I could hike up the back of like I lived in a the, it was. Um, um, in a place called Kimpo, Koreans may know, anyone who know South Korea will know, if you'd like, we can even find it on the mm -hmm. map. Um, okay, so there's Seoul. So I'll just show you where I was. Hold on. Oh. Okay. So you see, first I was in Incheon, which is uh -huh. a big port and an industrial town. Not far from Seoul. And Yeah, exactly. And then I moved up here to Kimpo. You see? See how close it is yeah, to the border? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so our, the, where I, the, my college was, was right kind of like along, it was in the mountains, let's say, but you could mount the hills and there were uh -huh, like rice uh -huh. paddies. And so you could, you you know, I could go outside my building, which I had an apartment there yeah. and I taught in there. And you could go up through the, the hills, there was a trail and you'd, and you'd get to the top and you could see over mm -hmm, here to North, mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. North Korea. Here, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh Yeah. So that's and then and uh, and for a while when we were still dating because then we broke up, that I did take I did start studying it because at that college I could take courses so I was taking a few, I think I did maybe five or six classes mm. so I was, because I you know and then we broke up and I was like ah fuck that I'm not going to learn this language. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you tell me that you actually got went into North Korea? Never, you did never. No, it's too it's hard. Too is hard. it? Yeah. And it's I mean, not you. Worth it. Yeah, it's you know. I did drink a bottle of uh, 
soju from North Korea once mm, somebody okay. got it. But, uh, so any uh, interesting stories? Oh, many things. Observations. Uh, yeah. Well, again, one of the things I remember one time with my girlfriend, we, we would go on trips. She had a car. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, By the way, is it left-hand drive or right? No, hand right, it's right. All the same. Very American. Okay. And um, Jiyun, her name was Jiyun, and she, she's a very nice woman. She eventually moved to the U.S. and she got married to a Korean guy there in Washington, and she has a couple oh. of kids there and stuff. Nice. And so I think you know we once in a while we stay in mm-hmm. contact. But um, anyway, um, we one time I remember. Um, she, we, we were on one of our trips and we were in, I think we were in Incheon and we were kind of, and we were going, it was by the sea and there were, and she said, oh, there's a war monument, you know, and all this. And so I remember we were there and there was a thing, you know, like a monument would look like a big thing with like a, I don't know, just a monument type thing with a bunch of flags and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I so saw, I was walking around in it and stuff and, uh, and I was looking at the flags and there was the U S and British and all this. And then mm-hmm. I saw a Canadian flag. Mm-hmm. And it was just there was sort of this moment of like, wow, that's really cool. Mm. Like, you know, that my that our it was like a this realization, like because of course I knew that we had participated in the Korean. Oh was, yeah, right. But just seeing Not it like, there, being there, uh, and seeing and looking oh. at this place, and this is a free country, and yeah. that my people had somehow oh, participated yeah. in helping. And they were volunteers, weren't they? I don't know about I that. Think it was, sure. it was a, it I'm was, pretty sure. Yeah, there was no the Canadians. Um, served in Korea. It was there was no conscription. There's no Canada, cons- right? well, World War Two. Not since was. World. Um, right. that's, uh, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Right. It's not since World War Two. You're probably right. Yeah. You're probably every single war since 1945. We've had. I was time. worried about being conscripted in the Vietnam War. But you're not American, Why would you worry no, about because that? because they were conscripted in the. In the World War Two, you see, that was uh-huh. the, my young brain was just seeing it that <laughs> not way. functioning very well. Well, but Canada wasn't even involved in it. it didn't. Yeah. It, I yeah. didn't know enough. I right. was pretty young. Right. I was a teenager, fourteen, fifteen. And you're hearing all 18. this stuff about the Vietnam. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You're and watching the and all the, the you know, and then we do all sorts of shit with the United States or for the United States. So it wasn't that illogical to my teenage brain that to be worried about this. When, when is that? Is that like 1970? Around there? I'm trying yeah, to situate. I was 15 in 1970. So is that around? Yeah, around there. Yeah. And then by the time I turned 18, I think conscription was over. In the, in the U.S. States. Good question when conscription ended because it was in 1977 they officially withdrew. Okay. Right? There so, you see, I was 18. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 17. Right. Interesting. Yeah. No, I got it wrong, but anyways. Yeah. But you were a teenager at that time. Yeah, I was a teenager. So. Yeah. No, no, there hasn't been. Yeah, there were no, but just. So just, there were Canadians. There were Canadians we there. And there the, were veterans. Yeah. We have. Uh, we have. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, remember the guy in the Metro? But well, he was from Vietnam, right? Which, the oh. Guy metro. The, the American guy. Oh, was he American? Well, he, but he said, I'm a Vietnam War vet. So I always assumed he was American. I, I just assumed he was he had his, uh, Yeah. He used, he used to have his eyes all messed up, like crossed. Yeah. yeah. The guy at Guy Metro. Stalky he was guy. a big guy. Yeah. And he said Viet- he had a tin can. Like, you know, like he would yeah. bring, like, tap But I thought hand. he was, a, I assumed he was a Canadian that went down to fight with them. Good, good point. I, I, I there always. There were many. There yeah. Many. Uh, look, you join the army, and I think that's—I don't know—is that how it works? And you say uh, you can you can go into a country and join. Most course, countries will you accept go. you that's because the, they want they want soldiers. Yeah. I mean, the Americans want it. Yeah. I've heard there's a there's a monument to Canadians who died in Vietnam in in Windsor. 
because uh, a number of them died. Yeah. Several, several tens of thousands. I should ask went. Uh, one of my passengers from there. I should ask her. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've become so raving anti-communist that I think I do feel a bit of pride for those Canadians who did that. You know, well, sure. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Although, but they, they actually on an individual basis, but personally, I think. Uh, I don't know that we like. I'm not saying that Canada shouldn't have been involved officially necessarily. Right. I, don't I don't know. Even, That's a more complicated yeah, question. Let's, let's get out of yeah. those okay. politics. Anyway, um, I, I just but, that that was a really interesting experience. Um, also, also, I, I I took a number of trips where I took I took a ferry once yeah. from Pusan. Let me see here. I, I took a train to Pusan with my friend um, Matt, who's British. Uh, the guy I went through Russia with. Over here? There it is, yeah. And I, I took a ferry from there to um, Hiroshima. Oh, which is how long did that take? Overnight, same thing. Overnight. Course, but it's so close. Oops. I'm looking on your map, and it's very. there is a point where it's very close. You could take a little up between Korea and Japan. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, you know. Yeah. I knew Hiroshima. they were close, but yeah. how, many, how many kilometers would you say it is? From these two points. Good question. Well, what's the scale here? Looks like uh, a couple of hundred, few hundred, few hundred. Yeah, okay. in a boat. So it was yeah. overnight. It was a. It was amazing. Yeah, you went to Hiroshima, Hiroshima you know, which is was, over here. Right? Yeah. You see? So you had to yeah. go in the channel. Yeah, I went through the channel, and uh, that that was a life changing experience. Oh. And, and I'll tell you why. Because first of all. The boat, I woke up in the morning and it was a beautiful morning and yeah. the boat was sailing not far from the coast. And, and I don't, you know, I thought Japan, this tiny little country with 150 million people, it must be busting. And I was looking at these miles Serene. of forests. Yeah. Nobody, like, I was like, what the hell's going on? It, it was one of these things where you're like, wow, the world is actually a lot bigger than I am. You know? <laughs> like, if that country can have 140 million people, 100, whatever it is, and, and it's the size nature. of New Zealand and that much nature. Yeah. Right. Then yeah. that means that people are not occupying as much space as I had thought. Right. Yeah. Another thing was you got to Hiroshima. And of course, it was where the uh, it was an incredible experience. I mean, just seeing where this had happened. First of all, it's a beautiful city. It's mm -hmm. just an absolutely beautiful oh, yeah? place. And it was the cherry blossom time early in oh, the spring. So it was all these. Oh. It was just so incredible. And I was and sort of it, again. I think in my mind, I had this idea of this barren wasteland just because. Even though I, if someone had told me, well, you know, there are trees that I would have said, oh, yeah. But in my mind, when I saw all these cherry blossoms and just people walking around in this modern city, I was like, what? This calamity happened here? Like, I don't really understand. And I went to the museum and they, t you know, about all the... Well, what about the, the actual grounds where it happened? Is that, well, what, the, there's, the, the city was flattened and there's a yeah. building in the middle of the city, mm -hmm. which is still standing. When the bomb detonated yeah. at 600 meters above that building. Yeah, it, it didn't get and it, Yeah, and it, all the stuff kind of rained around it and yeah. blew everything else up. And it's this beautiful building huh. designed by a Amazing. Czech architect that's still there. And they've left it exactly oh. as is. They got a fence around it. So there's like... Bits of the building have fallen onto the ground and they've left them. They've yeah. just left them so you can see Beautiful. it. It's amazing, yeah. And looking at that, it's like, wow, this this is where, this was ground zero, where that thing. And that was, is it Western architecture, Czech? Yes, it was a Czech yeah. architect. And at the time of the bombing, I remember reading that there was, it was occupied by the Ministry of Forestry or something. They were, it was a government building at that point. Oh. And it was in the center of Hiroshima. So the, you know, the bombers had aimed to hit yes, the middle yes, of the city. Yes. And it was interesting to learn that it didn't actually impact the ground. Of it course, exploded. yeah. That's yeah, I didn't so, know that. 
Well, it went around. Did it not hit the ground anywhere? Well, it blasted everywhere every other, else. everywhere For else. How far? Oh, good question. But but nevertheless, that. is any what's there now? Is really all what beautiful I buildings. They rebuilt. Yeah, completely. So all, how many years did it take to decontaminate? Well, here's something interesting. So, in that museum, there the, 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 there was all this information about it, and and so at one point there was these panels describing after the thing blew up in 1945 yeah. they sent they brought all these scientists and everything with geiger counters yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know all these like pinhead kind of people yeah. that, you know yeah. and they came in and they're in there doing their studies and all yeah. this stuff and then after a couple of weeks of reading the things they declared that nothing would grow there for 75 years okay like this place and literally the next spring there were flowers mm. blooming and i remember and i remember when i read that and i looked around at the city i thought to myself there is no way we could destroy life on this planet it's just we are not we th you know we, can't, can't, we, we cannot we, annihilate there's annihilate. no way we, no. You know, we we think that like and yeah. this is i i don't mean to it will adapt it will adapt that's the other thing yeah. is a cockroach doesn't care if it has two heads or an alligator you know what i mean like if you were to it made me think if you were to detonate every single nuclear warhead on the planet the world population it would be a calamity would go down to a few hundred thousand people probably yeah. animal you know millions of animals oh, would yeah, die yeah. it would be a disastrous but the but the nature would be like you know sort of a hiccup basically and in, in, in a couple hundred years things yeah. would be readapted and and this is not i don't want anyone to think that i'm trying to minimize the suffering that would come from that no, i don't no, want people not. to it's just to say that i think people i think we grew up with this idea that we can actually that we could annihilate with planet. nuclear bombs that that would no. annihilate life on we, earth it, it'll that, you know. it will make things extremely difficult for us of if course not. and it would annihilate some species of course. i mean you know but if, no oh question, yeah yeah right? but but you no know. you can't beat mother earth <laughs> that's right i know can't. like all the garbage all the plastic <laughs> yeah. mother earth we'll is gonna, figure it out she's gonna <laughs> grind it up <laughs> yeah, yeah. and produce something else and the time scales too i mean how much plastic oh. would it take Billions. Yeah, you know exactly. So it, it, it's really. I know. It, this and was, I've got it. You know, and I've had it since the '60s in my head, and I've got to recycle. And every time, it's driving me. By crazy. the way, people and should I, recycle. We do, yeah, and it's I good, still it's good. do it. But, I, but I, where is this recycling going? Yeah. Is it going to go? You know, dumped into the ocean. I snip up my little uh, the the six pack tabs. So it doesn't get. I can't oh. help it. I can't help it. Uh, but. The other, the other thing that I realized I want to mention quickly as you're talking about this yeah. is all of the things you're talking about are yeah. human construction. So when we look at nature being destroyed by nuclear yeah. bombs, we see that in this way of sort of nature crying and all this. And maybe we should see it that way. Mm -hmm. But natural animals and living things don't have that thought process right they you know animals and birds and trees just survive if they can yeah. they just live and then That's we right. have these moral and judgments angst and, angst and worry and also beauty yeah. we, when we look at nature yeah, we, we see something beautiful beauty. whereas if you're an animal you're just there we don't know, know. they just seem we don't to, know what animals yeah are. my cats seem to be looking out the window at squirrels <laughs> you know and, and yeah, why are they doing that because they want to hunt them they, they right? yeah, that's exactly. all there is I, I cannot see yeah. them looking i mean they'll enjoy the sun i think it's yeah know, again like this that. is this is a very deep question how yeah. how, how conscious are animals yeah like yeah cats yeah, dogs and whales and we don't really know we don't, we don't really, really know. know but i don't th i think the level of um consciousness that we're talking yeah, about yeah we see beauty yeah and the seeing beauty, beauty and ugliness and, and the yeah. angst and all those no, things nature to me is the 
it's the reason for living almost it is yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think the beauty of the of the the planet of the earth you know i love you know with people i was having a conversation with this guy who who's a hindu he's all very spiritual in his religion and he, that he says it, it came up that he doesn't like rain and doesn't think, like rain yeah that's weird how can you not but it's not like right. It's not part of the whole natural process for rain. I, I know. Wash well, things away. How can you not like rain? Yeah. I, like I always want to ask people, what's what's it like not to like rain? <laughs> you know, well, it's there for one thing, but I happen to love it. Right. You, you know? like rain. I love rain. Yeah. I, I don't like walking in cold rain. Well, not so much. It's a but I understand unpleasant. what you mean. That there is something beautiful it's about so rain. Beautiful. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, yeah. especially yeah. And it's most beautiful when you're at home and it's on the window and you're or watching on the it, yeah. roof. You listen to it. Yeah, and you smell it. It in is. The country. This is even in the city. It's got a smell. This is something that I, I I'd like to talk a little bit about. It's just the beauty in the yeah. world. Yeah. This is something that I find really there's beauty in everything. There's beauty in everything. There's so many amazing things that yeah. we can look at and yeah. experience and, and wonder about. And yeah. I'm so happy to be alive. I know. Just you know, yeah. Yeah. just to be be able to experience things. Yeah. And to see rain and to and and that, oh, I look at this. Yeah. You know, and I love your snow banks. By the way, yeah. we're waiting for this. Of course, yeah. in, in this city by the way the snow yeah. they remove every single flake of snow from yeah. the street you know and any <laughs> any non-montrealers listening really should come and witness the, it, the military operation that is the snow removal it's, it's, in the city yeah, our the, hometown is our really matter something. of snow plows yeah. and snow <laughs> and, and, and they come around with these massive trucks and they do all it's really it is like military did you hear the horn the klaxon oh yeah yeah when they're i don't know okay i heard it in the okay, distance yeah well maybe it'll come through maybe to, to warn people to take their their cars out of the snow banks because it, then because it, they'll tow them they'll tow they'll them, tow them. And they'll you move won't them. know where <laughs> yeah they move them to another street it's <laughs> oh god yeah no and it's yeah. um and, and and it's funny i was every lately i've been thinking about it you know imagine them doing this in the month of july the whole operation <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine, there's, there's no snow, but they're going through all the motions, you know? Because That's like an absurdist. It is, uh, yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. no snow in yeah. July. And all right. this, because it all melts if they didn't yeah. do it. But yeah. it's for expedience, and then people complain, oh, my sidewalk's not plowed. <laughs> they don't but appreciate what a miracle this is. It is. There's no other city in the world that does it this well. At this scale, I you're probably so. right. The closest, I would imagine, might be something like St. Petersburg or Moscow. Yeah, but I even mean, then, I'm not I, sure if they have such an organized, or even as much have snow. You, I don't have know. Have you ever watched <laughs> Russian carve? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's all crazy shit. I was yeah. watching them tonight <laughs> yeah. before I came here the car videos in the wind winter you know yeah. oh yeah like, when they're all sliding like all over think, the place because we like to laugh <laughs> yeah. at, we like to laugh at americans when it snows and yeah. all that ah, the cars Look are sliding russia. and because yeah. and, and, we you know we're smug we think russia should be able to handle it and they don't they, they don't <laughs> yeah no this is that's a really good point i mean i know we're moving towards closing but <laughs> i guess so but we're returning it back to yes uh, our hometown oh i, I call it proudly yeah. my hometown yeah after, uh, thirty-three years at this sure. point. Yeah, you're, you're um, a, I, 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 have, I have dubbed, recognized you as a Montreal as an Anglo Quebecois. I say Montrealer. Montreal, a, a long yeah. time ago. Um, but I guess have did you finish about Hiroshima? It's just yeah, that 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 was just. I just wanted to get that on record because that's, that's something that really blew me away, yeah. and it really. And it was just such an incredible, like again, this this wonderment of the world, yeah. and to see. 
I mean, what you know, you almost couldn't imagine worse suffering than the people who must have suffered in mm-hmm. Hiroshima in mm-hmm. 1945, right? I mean, that must have been... Think of a and also the other thing was if if you look at what the Americans were doing to Japan at that point, yeah. they were firebombing, they were dropping napalm on Japan uh-huh. for like a year. Yeah. They were sending, I mean, and they, they weren't they weren't surrendering. Like they the Japanese were like screw you, we're hunkered down, you can yeah. fight, you know. And then it was the the, the nuclear bombs that were coming. The, yeah, they were, you know. But just to say, I mean, just you know that that kind of suffering by people yeah, is yeah. really, and then and then to see a place like that so modern and and Korea too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Korea, South Korea, is this modern, you yes. know, democracy with all this, and yet, you know, I mean, you know, in the Korean War, the place was just flattened was by oh man, they were fighting, and the the the, the Chinese and 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 the, and, and the North Koreans pushed all the way down almost to Pusan, like all yeah, the way. You yeah. see the peninsula, yes. and they took over all, and then there was an offensive from Incheon. There's a lot of military history there where they pincered and they attacked the Americans and Canadians, landed with the Koreans, and fought back, and then they got them as far as the DMZ. Right, and then you go there, to, and so that that was, I mean, the Korean War was a big war, yes. thousands of people being yeah. killed and bombs and all that, and then they got to the DMZ, and then they divided the country, and then you go there now, and in South Korea, and it's like skyscrapers, and yeah. people are, you know, there's I drive one of their cars; it's one of the best in the world. They build I, all I these think. cars, yeah. and they develop their industrial capacity, you know, and. It's seeing a place like South Korea gives you enormous hope for humanity that people can recover oh, from yeah. real adversity and Japan too, for that matter, you know? Uh, so that was, yeah, being in Asia was really something, um, how shall I put this? Uh, you know, learn, seeing, seeing one of the biggest realizations I had was if, when people say things like, you know, country X could never do democracy, like, because it's not in their culture. Oh, okay. It's like, well, look at Japan, look at South Korea. They're completely, they're so different culturally from us, and they're doing democracy. They have elections, they do the process, right? You know what I mean? So it's, it it, it made me think, no, any place in the world could have a civil society. What if, um, would the, um, would have, who was North Korea and China were in that war? You said, yeah. So they still it, are allies. In fact, North Korean, well, the communist yeah, countries. Exactly. You know. But so what about, if if who who was pushing back against them? What, okay, did it just sort of keep taking over Korea as it went? You yes, know? that's what they did. That's See, look, did. yeah. I mean, you so, can you can look at the map so who here. Was, so you got all the, the time, the Koreans were fighting, like. They didn't want part of this. Is this what... I'm not sure what your question well, is. <laughs> okay, let's say the Americans hadn't gotten involved. Then the whole peninsula would be... Would, would be communist, yeah. So... Probably. Even then, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I, we don't know. Maybe today it could have been different. If I mean, after all these years. But what I'm getting at is, why did the Americans go? I mean, it's always a simplistic stop, answer is to stop, stop communism. communism. Yeah. But it sounds Domino so effect. idealist. No, no, no. Well... Um, okay, some of it, of course, they you know Americans will say we want people to be free and all yeah, that. But yeah. what they really, what they don't want is they don't want. If you're looking at it from a more pragmatic point, yeah, yeah, you don't want communist countries to expand and get bigger and more okay. powerful, right. and then be able to challenge. So this our, is what they wanted to do in so, Vietnam and Korea. Sure, v- Vietnam. Look, there's a theory about Vietnam that the United States went to war in Vietnam, yeah, to send a signal to Germany. 
Because they, at that oh, point, that in, expansion. no, the, the concern by Germans, oh. by the German, because they were trying to tell the West Germans, they were saying, look, don't worry. If the Soviets come, we got your back. We're going to defend you. And the West Germans were, not, were a little bit squirrely. Like, I don't oh, know if these guys are going to come and so defend they us. They wanted to flex their muscles. They, they wanted to flex them. them to say, look, and look, it, it, look, look what's going on. in. This is a theory by a guy called George okay. uh, Friedman, who's a well-known geopolitical so analyst. the Germans were nervous. The Germans, because people... Of Russia. People th- no, of Russia, yes, yeah, of course. Okay. People think of Americans as these, like, they want to go and domineer the world. Yeah. In many places, people are more worried they're going to leave. You yeah, know, they were yeah, they yeah, were yeah. worried in Germany that the Americans were like after World War One they were going to pack up their bags, yes. go back to the states, and they were going to have the same fucking problem right, of the Russians, right, right. And the, you know, oh, this yeah. and that, right? And so that theory says that basically mm-hmm. they, they went to Vietnam. Now, I mean, look, they probably went to Vietnam for multiple reasons. Yes. If you listen to Noam Chomsky, it's because they like killing babies, right? Okay, so that's another theory. <laughs> Maybe they enjoy torturing Vietnamese babies. It's like, well, that's oh, you really yeah. think <laughs> you really think that's what the motivation? Yeah, Maybe it is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. There might be other concerns too sure. about domino effect generally. There could in have Asia. been some, uh, right. uh, the usual suspects, uh, profiteers. Yeah, could military contractors. There's no oil in Vietnam. No, there's no right? oil. But, but, but there could still. have been contractors. But nevertheless, I like that answer better. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Just no, to- but that makes a lot of sense that they want to show they, they they need to stop this. They need to show that we can. Keep the well, but it does go back to that we can keep the world free of communism, and like you say, communism is not pleasant. Again, I, I don't want people to think that I'm advocating for the United States to go around and police the world because maybe that's not the best way. But that is it's complicated, it's very complicated, and it's that's what you're helping me understand. Yeah, it's like well, well, this is these are things I learned from living, from like going, I, yeah, well, from that's, being that's present in those places, yeah, right. Exactly. So there were military. There, there was South Korean military all over the place where I lived. Yeah. I'd see tanks. I'd see guys all the time. I woke always up one morning. Ready. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I used to go out for night walks. I'd bring a bottle of soju and just liquor with me and some cigarettes. And I go down, watch the sentries by the by the by their changing guard yeah. and stuff. You know, and all this. And there were like helicopters and things all around. There was U.S. Army presence as well. I'd see Americans yes. sometimes. Okay. Some of the some of the people I knew. One guy, an older guy, was a former soldier who stayed. He was in his sixties yeah. at that point, I think, and. Uh, so yeah, I mean it was it was really an eye-opening experience. Again, Canadians just don't typically understand that much of the world people live in places where That's so interesting. People, yeah. you know, the the people in the country next to yours, you know, they came and took you over and you went and took them, you know, and all this. It's like your your previous generations were fighting them and now you're supposed to hate them and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, <laughs> right? You should hear the Koreans talk about the Japanese. Boy, they get drunk and fired up and they There's this island called Tokdo or yeah. Takashima. It's a tiny little island. I can't, you can't even find it on a map. It's about the size of this table. <laughs> and it's claimed by by South Korea and it's claimed by Japan. And every yeah. once in a while, they... And, and you know, the, the Japanese would go and put some soldiers there and then the Koreans would go and do it. And, they, you know, and all this, they wouldn't actually engage. But... And the name of the island was Tokdo in Korean and uh. Takashima in Japanese. And you'd, these young Korean guys would get just incensed. You know, they'd be... <laughs> You know, like they'd say, Tokdo is Korean. They'd be slamming the table in this fucking rage. I was like, whoa, you know. 
like, you know, there's a, there's an island up north that's claimed by Greenland. I don't know if you know. I know right? Yeah, exactly. Like, would you get like those fucking Danes? You know, the they can, you know. What do we do? The Canadians they leave, leave a bottle, a bottle of whiskey for, right, the, for exactly. the Danes, and the Danes leave a bottle <laughs> yeah. for us for the Canadians. It's, so, and something has come. There's something has happened to it politically. Really? Recently. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's a couple of things. Canada is so big, and that's in the middle of nowhere, so nobody it's a rock. cares. It's a rock. Nobody cares. And it's so far away, right? So, no, it's, but it's, it's been a joke. It's been a joke. For and and most Canadians countries. probably have never heard of it. Oh, okay? You know, yeah. like you know about you're unusually well-informed, <laughs> right? And have we ever been at war with Denmark? Have the Danes, you know, have the Danes ever, you know, they, like, they're, 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 were the Vikings weren't Danish, no, but they didn't come to North. They, they, right, and that's so far back. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, they, whereas until 1945, Korea was dominated by Japan, yeah. right? So there are people alive today who may have so memories, sort of like that, the Falkland right? Islands. But that's a lot much bigger place. Yeah, the Falkland Islands. Yeah. But uh, the world is a scrappy place. You know, the, the, the international. <laughs> I love that the world is a scrappy well, so, place. Well, some people, some people view the international system is a kind of a. There are no real rules. I mean, we like to think, oh, we have rules. The reality is countries sometimes invade other countries. Yeah. You know, people are people. Yeah, and it's it's not like when you're inside a country and there's a bunch of laws and rules that apply. The international order is far more chaotic than that, if you really yeah. it's a little better now after World War Two. Yeah. But you know, generally speaking, war is very common. Yeah. The, you know. But uh, well, I don't I don't want to end on such a depressing note. So can you think of anything <laughs> Well, I like the whole idea. What you know, the whole picture. I still have it in my vaguely in my mind about Hiroshima, about Hiroshima, the Czech building in the oh, middle, yeah. and what is surrounding it now. A fence, and, oh, a fence. A fe yeah, and, and then beyond that, and then there's a park there, so you can go park. and you can. There's there's like there's you know, plaques. There's a museum across, very very close. You can walk yeah. to and stuff. And then what's after that? Just it's a city. I mean, it's not a, a huge. It's they not. There's, a city. Yeah, it's not like a huge city. Hiroshima is not one of Japan's biggest cities. It's it. it um, how shall I put that? I mean, it's it's um, it's a mid-sized town basically, okay. and it's perhaps strategically important. There's a port. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a port there, perhaps. Well, they could have picked any city, I suppose. They it's a good question. To... Yeah, there there are some reasons why they didn't. But I think part of it was they had already napalm Tokyo, so that's one because there are. That's a good question. Why did they pick Nagasaki and then Hiroshima? How many Japanese people got killed? Oh, hundreds of thousands. In the, Not yeah. even millions. I don't know if it was millions, but yeah. it also are. If, if, are we including the napalming? Because that that killed. Tens of that, if not hundreds. I am. Of I, would, I would include that. God, it was. Plus, you know, if you were living in Japan, I mean, just and also because most things in Japan are built out of wood, right? So you drop napalm, oh, it goes up yeah, like a bunch yeah, of tinder. Yeah. You know, I mean, how did they get their wood? They cut it down. Well, now they import it from Canada. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but in those days they would have chopped their own forest down, you know. But now they're so, preserving the forest that yeah. you saw in your boat. That's also a very romantic scene. Of you said you're opening your eyes, seeing all that forest. Sounds like a beautiful day. Oh, it was incredible. The sun was coming up like it was, you know, on, on a boat. It was, and I was sitting out there. It was sort of cool. It was early. It was yeah. spring, you know, kind of. You know, early morning, so I was wearing a windbreaker. Oh man, it was just incredible. Nice. Yeah. So that's a bit more a positive. Yes, it is. Well, thank you, Jason, for uh, yeah. stringing it all together for me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I especially impressed by Hiroshima and the 
and the Romania story, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you're learning Slovak. Yeah, well, I wish I wish I could. I mean, probably no one's going to believe me because I can't actually speak it anymore. But I believe you. Yeah, but yeah thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because when you, I don't know if you ever learn a new language, you you, you learn you, you, when you're in a country like that where yeah. everybody doesn't speak English or whatever, no French. And this, I remember I would I would sort of learn all these things and study the books and I'd trying to practice things. And then when I went around and, and asked people to talk, you know, like I would be terrified they would talk to me because I couldn't understand it, you know, and like, mm -hmm. and so, so that happened a lot. But then there's this certain moment and because I couldn't really talk any more than just asking for my beer or whatever, you know, <laughs> but then there's this moment where all of a sudden you start to understand what they're saying more and you can actually talk. Like yeah, there's this, yeah. it's weird when you learn a new language, you jump in like at certain yeah. points, all of a sudden you're way better. Yeah. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah, very yeah. strange. And so as soon as that happened, happened, I would go around and like find people in bars and be yabbering with them just because I could, you know, oh. <laughs> just because I'm like, yeah, hey, I could talk to this guy for half an well, hour about useless stuff. You know, I know it's, it's not as, <laughs> it was kind of like my experience in French Europe. It was just that I was understanding so right. well <laughs> right. what they said. And it was That's like hilarious. I said, it was as if we were speaking English. So I know what you mean. After struggling. So I was 21 when I went to Europe and I, and I only started getting jobs at 17 where I would right. be speaking right. French. So that's only four years of really out there trying to learn French and Quebecois French right. at that. Which, of I, course. I think a big part of that, too, is just the ethnic conflict. You're freed from that when you're in Europe. And the person, and the people you're talking to probably... They didn't judge me. They, they didn't judge you, and they probably found your accent sort of interesting. I'd be like, oh, you know, where are you from? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they'd be more likely to be interested in you because of your accent and not to be, oh, you know, he's one of the multi Yeah, that's you right. Know, that, that's what would happen back here. You know, and, uh, right? But now I say I speak two kinds of French. I'm bon Québécois and an espèce. <laughs> International, yeah, you, know. you do have a nice little international uh, kind of. flavor to your well, it's some, it's some English uh, overtones, yeah. of course. But because yeah. uh, I get a you know, as an Uber, we get people from all over the world, and uh, j'aime beaucoup les, les Libanais, par exemple, Libanais. parce qu'ils parlent lentement, <laughs> très clair. And then my Quebecois seeps in, all right, yeah, all right, thank John. you, Jason. Thanks again, man. Thank you for listening to today's guest on the Mega Blast Podcast. I've been your host, Jason McDonald. This podcast is brought to you by Arts and Opinion, an online journal, which is also available in the permanent archives of Canada. Visit us online at artsandopinion.com.